Hello and welcome to the We Are Guernsey podcast, where we bring you interviews with leaders from the global finance industry, as well as news and developments from Guernsey's financial services sector. My name is Brandon Ashplant and I am Senior Strategy and Technical Executive here at Guernsey Finance. Guernsey is a leading global finance centre, working with clients and businesses across the globe to deliver industry-leading expertise, products and services. The success of the industry here is underpinned by economic substance, political stability and asset security and we are committed to the cause of sustainable finance. To find out more about Guernsey's success in sustainable finance, tune into our sister podcast, the Guernsey Sustainable Finance Podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by a returning guest, Cedric Edmonds, founder of Replexis. On this episode, we'll be discussing developments in the reinsurance and ILS space, uh, as well as some of the ESG applications. So without further ado, welcome, Cedric. Thank you. Uh, so firstly, just tell me a bit about sort of yourself and, and your career to date for those who perhaps don't know too much about you. Yeah, so um, I come from a reinsurance background. Uh, I'm, uh, I started my reinsurance career back in Lloyd's uh, back in the early 90s. And then I moved to uh, to Zurich, to Swiss Re, where I started doing alternative risk transfer, uh, from there to Allianz Risk Transfer. And uh, then in 2000 and, uh, 2007, I moved to uh, to the ILS space, to Horizon 21, and then shortly thereafter to Solidum. And that's where my uh, my contact with Guernsey began. Mm. And and you mentioned there Guernsey uh, there at the end. Um, you have a long history of using Guernsey structures, including for innovative firsts like the the, the cap bond light that we saw more recently, but also multiple first uses of blockchain transactions uh, and first ILS private trust company as well. So, what made you choose Guernsey? You know to base these transactions uh, in and 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 what are the I guess what are the main benefits to to that process from using Guernsey? Yeah. So. Uh... As you said, I have a long history. Uh, I, I first my first contact with Guernsey was back in two thousand seven when I was working at Horizon Twenty One. I was looking for the location of a transformer vehicle, and uh, and obviously I reviewed various jurisdictions. Uh, I looked at Cayman. That was where Horizon Twenty One had their funds, so it was a logical choice. Uh, Bermuda and Guernsey. The thing was, I wanted to issue preference shares. I wanted to issue securities and not preference shares, which was typically the uh, the mainstay of what people did. Um, but approaching the jurisdictions, uh, Cayman approached the service provider. They told me to go speak to the regulator. The regulator told me to speak to the service provider. So they just, you know, they, it was going around in circles. But then uh, I looked at Bermuda. They had their, their SAC, which is similar to PCC, a Guernsey PCC. Um, so, uh, and uh, from those who would issue preference shares, which wasn't what I wanted to do. Uh, and then, then I met with Justin Wallen and Chris Lickmore. They came to Zurich, and we sat down together, and I explained what I wanted to do. And uh, they explained to me the ICC, which for me was an ideal construct because each cell is uh, an incorporated entity in its own right, so it's, it's it can issue securities itself, which uh, a, a PCC can only do from the core; it can't do it from each cell. Uh, so that was that suited what I wanted, and uh, and speaking to Justin and Chris, both of whom worked at Air Insurance Managers at the time, uh, they said, "Well, we understand what you want to do uh, this issue issuance of securities. We've never done it before, uh, but we think we can do it." And that's what I needed. I needed someone to work with who thought that they could do it and and and, and understood it, and we're going to work together. And uh, and. 
and we did so you know, shortly after I actually left Horizon 21 and uh, and joined Solidum and uh, and then set set up the Solidum ICC in 2009 as you say I was able in Guernsey to do a number of firsts so uh, we did uh, I did the first private cat bond as we called it at the time in 2010 which was then traded uh, towards the end of 2010 and that's when trading risk uh, they wrote an article about the trade and uh, and called it cat bond light so uh, so it was uh, it's it's Guernsey that gave uh, that, that gave birth to the concept of uh, of, of a cat bond light which is in uh, uh, is part of the uh, the ILS lexicon today and uh, very much in common use uh, mm. so uh, so then we listed uh, that first cat bond light and uh, as you said, you you mentioned uh, blockchain transactions. Well, uh, that came from a need. Uh, it, it, we didn't set out to do a blockchain transaction. Um, we we used to use Deutsche Bank uh, for uh, for holding the collateral, and uh, and they they held the collateral, so the collateral bank, and they acted as the trustee. And uh, in 2016, Deutsche Bank were facing a rather hefty fine somewhere. Uh, equivalent to their equity capital in the US and uh, and our clients uh, and we wanted to move the collateral away but we couldn't because they never were downgraded so we we saw there was a conflict of interest and uh, and with that conflict of interest uh, we, we saw the need to insert a trustee into the into the structure uh, Deutsche Bank didn't want that which meant that we had lost access to Euroclear and needed another solution to settle our securities. And that's where, in the end, blockchain came in. That was our, our, our finding our solution. So in 2017, we settled securities on a, what's called a private permission blockchain. Obviously, this is electronic settlement of securities, so we need to consult with the GFSC. You know, there's particular regulations surrounding uh, operators of electronic settlement systems, which we had to go through with them. They need to understand the blockchain, how it worked, and what it did. But were open to the concept. They were a little reticent to begin with, a bit fearful of the blockchain. But uh, we were able to explain. They were able to answer all the, uh, ask all the questions. We were able to answer them, and they got comfort, which was uh, very important for us. And uh, and and shows the GFSC's flexibility and willingness to to innovate, which is uh, which is very important for any jurisdiction. The regulation is key. Absolutely. And then, and then. Uh, shortly after, a year later, um, we wanted to list these securities. That meant using the exchange. Clearly, blockchain settled securities never been done before, uh, didn't exist. So, it, it, exchanges were would probably have kind of bolted it. Uh, we approached ICE and uh, we said, not only do we want to list these securities, but we actually wanted the ICC to be a listing member. So, again, they said, well, it's never been done before. Um, we sat down with them and said, we don't see any reason why not. And uh, you know, with the support of the GFSC as well, uh, they 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 saw that they, they allowed us to become firstly a member, which was the first ILS managed to become a member, and then uh, and and then to list list the securities again another first. Uh, so um, uh, you know, to follow my career path, you know, sort of more latterly in. 2020, more for personal reasons. I left Solidum and I set up Replexus. I set it up uh, during COVID lockdown. So that was kind of interesting. Well, um, uh, bank accounts, I can tell you, were hard to come by at that time. Yeah. So, uh, and then, yeah, then in 
2021, um, I, I, I did uh, the first humanitarian ILS transaction for the Daily Trade Cross, which was also the first uh, volcano-only cab bond. And then, then like you mentioned, uh, uh, ILS private trust company, so Replex is a set up a trust company um, to uh, to manage the collateral in the trusts for all of its uh, collateralized transactions. So, uh, kind of a, 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 a long list of, uh, of bursts of innovation, uh, which I could only do thanks to the uh, to, to, to the jurisdiction and the people in the jurisdiction, to the regulator, to the exchange, and to the service providers. Um, so, uh, all of which I, I thank, uh, you know, very heartily. Brilliant. And um, specifically regarding the cap bonds, it seems traditionally a lot of these are listed in jurisdictions, you know, such as Bermuda or Cayman uh, and, the, and, and the likes of those. What would be your key considerations for some, to someone who might be looking to set up on a, one in the future? Um, and I guess tangentially to that, do you see Guernsey as a competitive jurisdiction? You know, how important are entities such as the Commission or the International St- International Stock Exchange in selecting a jurisdiction? Uh, so I think they're very they're, they're very important. So uh, service providers clearly very very important, and uh, and I've, I've worked with service providers in other jurisdictions, from other transactions, and so not sort of directly, but uh, but I have worked with them, and you know I, I find. The Guernsey service providers to be very good, very professional, and uh, and always to be very supportive, very helpful. So, uh, so I, I can't say enough for them. The GFSC as well, as you see with the with the blockchain, something completely innovative, completely new. Uh, yeah. There were, you know, I'd already had contact with them on other things, saying, "Well, can we do this?" And you know, this is why we want to do it. This is. Uh, why you shouldn't be concerned about it? Uh, you know, these are the uh, the fail safes within it, and they're always willing to listen and always willing to to support. And I think all of that's very very important. If you're looking to move something forwards, you need someone that's going to move forwards with you, not someone that's just going to stand in your way and effectively be the policeman and just say no no no. Um, and that's you know, so I found GFSC to be very supportive and uh, and. You know, to to be very open. Actually, that's not to say they uh, they're unprofessional. They've always been very professional, and they've always been very strict, which a regulator should be. Um, so, uh, so I think the, you know, the GFSC is is very important as a jurisdiction. So when I look at the ILS market and let's say the one forty four A cap bond market, um, and you mentioned listing, certainly my experience of ties is uh, um, is. That that it, it works very well. They're very good, very competent. They're price competitive. They're efficient. They're professional. And uh, and I think you know why why haven't we seen more or any 144A cables listed uh, on ties? I think the reason for that is uh, is oddly enough simply inertia. It's uh, inertia from the existing legal teams involved in structuring the document set. They're used to doing documents and and taking documents to uh, to the BSX, the Bermuda Stock Exchange, or maybe to Cayman, or maybe to uh, to, to Dublin, and uh, and they haven't yet used TICE, but it's it's not any failing of TICE. It's merely just they carry on, you know, what they did before, and uh, and you know, I think once that inertia can be broken, then I think we'll see much more um, in Guernsey. So, so I, I hold, you know, TICE, GFSC. And the service provides all in very, very high regard. Mm. Well, that's brilliant. Um, 
And repeatedly, we see attempts to sort of widen the ILS investment universe, if you like, um, into other such areas as, as, as cyber, as an example. And, and it's probably fair to say that only, you know, so far, only few meaningful successes have really been created, for example, with live. How can we change this? You know, what, what, what can be done to sort of, um, yeah, to, to change this? I think it is slowly changing, you know, so so it, it, it it's clearly a slower process. So you mentioned cyber, and we've seen now a couple of cyber deals in, in the ILS market. Uh, when you see the the, the, uh, the investment universe broadening, um, you know, we, you need to understand that the ILS and ILS managers look at risk in a different way to the insurance industry. So uh, the insurance industry assumes risk based on the law of large numbers and uh, and sees the correlation risk. So well, so the cat events are seeded. And uh, and to do that, they uh, they need a good approximation of risk, but they don't need to be as accurate. So the ILS market, they use modern portfolio theory to assume risk. So uh, it, it's a different way of assuming risk, different to the law of large numbers. And in order for modern portfolio theory to work, we need to understand the risks that much better. And the modeling that's available in other geographies and perils around the world uh, is often not sufficiently accurate for the ILS market. Uh, that's it. That's changing. Uh, I'm speaking to a lot of modeling firms, uh, particularly also on parametric side, and, uh, and the modeling firms are aware of this. And uh, and you know things are moving forward, but it does take time. It's a lot of work. You know, if, if you look, you know, where, where's the best understood risk? Um, it's clearly you know U.S. hurricane risk, U.S. tropical cyclone. And that's where most of the ILS money is. Um, so, uh, so I think as the modeling advances, as the understanding of the risk and, uh, and the ability to, with, with more precision, the, uh, uh, the 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 probabilities associated with losses and uh, and the sizes of losses potential, so with parametric, uh, I, I, I'm very confident that we'll see other perils and geographies uh, coming to the ILS market. So at our most recent Reinsurance Insight event in July, um, one of the panels discussed at the event was the current market you know, dislocation and the need for increased capital to be um, attracted to the to the reinsurance industry. Is that an assessment you agree with? And, and, how, and how do you envisage that capital coming to the market? You know, how long do you think the current hard market trend will last? And do you believe the returns on offer are bringing new or returning investors to ILS? Yeah, so I'm not sure that increased capital into the reinsurance industry is the answer. So, well, so yeah, clearly we need increasing risk-taking capacity, but that doesn't necessarily translate into increasing reinsurance capital. And I can explain this if, if you look back into back to the 90s when there was the issue of Florida, which is a big peak, and, uh, and uh, Increasing the reinsurance capital wasn't able to solve it. So at the time, independent cat companies were set up to uh, finance and set up partnery to try and solve the problem. And uh, and no one could solve it because Florida simply unbalanced the reinsurance portfolios. Uh, it acted as a capital driver. And, uh, and that, you know, so, so that didn't solve the problem. So finally, the problem was solved by the capital markets. It was solved by the ILS uh, Industry and uh, the start of the ILS industry at the time, and uh, and and the issuance of cap bonds, and uh, and then o over a number of years, the rates in in Florida tumbled. So uh, so today I think we're seeing a sim uh, seeing similar capital drivers in in reinsurance portfolios. So you know some some of these are even coming from 
very large corporates, um, very large uh, single exposures who, uh, you know, at, at that point, just one very large plant, you know, can be one and a half billion. Well, that starts to really push, you know, push on 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 the uh, on the allocated capital, and uh, and just more capital doesn't change the portfolio imbalance of the remains. So we go back to if you like the law of large numbers. Well, the law of large numbers needs a lot of like risks to work. Um, so for me, I think what's required is that. You know, again, we need to access the capital markets. We need INS capital to assume the imbalances, and 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 to basically then allow the the reinsurance and the insurance company portfolios to be to become more balanced, more homogeneous, and for the law of large numbers to work again. With regards to the hard market, you know, I think it's it, it's going to stay as, as you know, at least in those areas where capital is constrained, um, and it's only at the point that that capital constraint actually goes away that the the, the prices will reduce again in the same way that we saw in Florida in the nineties, and uh, and and then finally, you, know, you mentioned the investor side of it. Uh, so, with regards to investors, the pricing is is only you know an important uh, part of the equation, but not the only part of the equation. And uh, and I think investors have uh, have somewhat left the market, the ILS market, um, not just. Not just due to pricing, but also due to lack of understanding and uh, and potentially lack of uh, true liquidity that they would see when they invest in other types of funds. So I mean, you know, when I say liquidity, I don't necessarily mean the liquidity in the capital market. That's something different. I'm talking about if an investor has liquidity, uh, say you know monthly liquidity or quarterly liquidity, then he expects to be able to get his money back each month, each quarter, and doesn't expect it to be locked up. Uh, doesn't expect uh, side pockets to occur. So I think uh, um, uh, the, the, the perceived and potential actual lack of liquidity, you know, is it, it, you know making investors somewhat shy away, and uh, and also increasing the cost of their capital. Um, so uh, so you know I think that's something that we need to sort out to clean up to to attract investors as well as a, a well-priced market. And you're speaking at the Guernsey Champagne reception um, in Monte Carlo as part of the Rendezvous de September uh, next month, uh, an event you have previously attended, uh, of course. Uh, what are the desired outcomes from an event such as the RVS for you personally and more generally, you know, the, the benefit to the industry as a whole? Yeah, so, uh, so I'll be going to Monte Carlo for... Over twenty years now, which uh, which unfortunately ages me a bit, but uh, mm. that's life. Uh, Monte Carlo is a bit of a strange animal. So, uh, so I remember being at Horizon Twenty One, surrounded by uh, financial markets people, and uh, and I explained it to them. I said, "I've got to go to Monte Carlo," and they said, well, "Why do you have to go to Monte Carlo?" And I said, "Well, look at it this way: you have Bloomberg for market intelligence. Our industry, we have Monte Carlo. We go to market intelligence." Uh, so for me, I find it you know, it's a great opportunity to catch up with people that I know from the past, um, but also with people who I typically don't necessarily have business with at this current time. Uh, so it, it allows for a lot of meetings, some of them chance meetings and discussions, and, uh, and provides uh, often the best and most fruitful opportunities. Uh, so I find it a very, very efficient way to meet uh, an awful lot of people. And I know that companies more and more are reducing their attendance because I think they find it expensive and, uh, and everything. And yet for me, when I look at, you know, if you're having 12 meetings a day, lunches, dinners, cocktail parties, 
you're meeting an awful lot of people from around the world in, in a very, very efficient manner. If that were translated into business trips, how many business trips would be required? How many flights around the world? How many weeks of traveling would be required to match those three days in Monte Carlo? And, and you know, so, so I, I find it personally a very, very efficient way of, uh, of, of you know, staying in touch. And then finally, you know, I think Monte Carlo, oddly enough, with everyone together in the same place, it's it, it sort of this kind of like a brainstorming effect. So it, it would be remiss not to mention, of course, the, you know, the climate change issue. Um, how will the effects of climate change impact the ILS industry going forward, do you think? Yeah, so for me, you know, climate change is now, it's a fact of life and we can't escape it. Although it's a trend. So it's a trend that happens over many years. We will see more of certain types of events and less of others over time. The insurance industry doesn't take trend risk, it takes volatility around the trend. So provided we continue to price both for the trend and the volatility, the industry will keep keep working, keep functioning. So uh, insurance isn't simply about the transfer of risk. Insurance, the, the underlying premise of insurance is that the losses of the few weigh lightly on the shoulders of the many. But that premise doesn't go away due to climate change. So insurance... For me, it will always be required to perform such a service, and uh, and it will, you know, it, it will be paid to do so. So I, I don't think climate change is a problem for the industry. It just needs to be understood that things are changing. Certainly, and and how much interest is there from reinsurance and ILS market in in humanitarian or ESG related transactions? Has this market developed since? You last spoke to us on the podcast, and and do you still expect this to sort of continue into the future? Yes, it is developed. It's a slow, it's a slow progress. Um, so I think there's clear, clearly interest in supporting ESG and humanitarian goals. The thing is, obviously, the insurance industry isn't a philanthropic industry, so all of these things need to be economic. So, uh, so aside from the donation of the uh, of of the the premium and the costs. The uh, the volcano bond done for the Red Cross was economic for all the participants, uh, and again, you know, with the uh, with the mangrove uh, the mangrove project, that again, it, it all needs to be economic. That will be funded by carbon credits, which is a, a, a neat way to fund it. So, if we can find in you know innovative ways to fund it, um, and, uh, and and there's certainly a desire to do so, I th- I think it will continue. But it's it's not something it doesn't have a lot of money that allows it to take off very quickly. So so it, you know to do it on you know on a very tight budget um, is 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 a challenge and, and means that that it will progress only slowly. But I believe it will progress. Mm. And and when you spoke um, earlier of your history of innovation, I just wanted to end with the last question here and. And and it's are there any interesting developments we should be keeping an eye out for? I mean, are there any suggestions for you know the next big thing? You mentioned last time about mangrove um, reforestation. Uh, how how is that progressing? Uh, we're reviewing where to reforest at the moment, and that takes uh, takes a lot of time um, and involves satellite imagery and all the rest of it. So uh, I think the reforestation will be more on the island of Palawan in the Philippines. Um, at least initially, uh, and uh, and with you know with that, which is coming to conclusion, we can start uh, to calculate the carbon credits we generate. We can start to forward sell those carbon credits and uh, to to fund the, if you like, the project, the transaction. 
and uh, and and then we can structure and place the cap bonds. So you know all of this takes time, but it is moving forward, and uh, and that that's the important thing. And then sort of other changes or developments that I see. Obviously, I'm coming much more from the ILS side. When I, when I look at the ILS market, you know we've already talked about market investors having left the market. Um, which I believe partly due to lack of understanding on their side and partly due to lack of understanding on uh, on the ILS market side. So mentioned side pockets earlier. So we all know what side pockets are. You know, ILS managers know brokers that uh, brokers that, that that bring risk to ILS managers know what side pockets are. Everyone knows, but oddly enough, investors typically haven't come across them. So uh, it's not something in common usage in the broader capital markets. So. You know, I've spoken to investors who, you know, they they, they came out with, oh, well, I now know what a side pocket is, and they don't like them, uh, which is kind of, uh, you know, understandable. You know, you can't sell them the promise of liquidity and uh, and then make that promise vanish by using a side pocket, just in the same way you can't sell the promise to pay for a loss and then not pay for it. And you know. In our industry, we clearly understand that we can't not pay for losses, but we haven't necessarily understood that we can't can not give, you know, capital back what we've promised it. Um, so, so I think there needs to be understanding from both sides, and 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 for me, that the market needs to uh, needs to sort of look at itself and uh, and and understand understand better its clients, which its clients, you know, funds clients are the investors, and uh, and understand that it itself, you know. ILS funds aren't reinsurance. They're not rated paper. They're not permanent capital. And uh, and by if you like in, ensuring that we reinvent ourselves in, in in a clever and correct way, I think we can recover uh, you know investors that that have left that, that have left the market sometimes in disgust uh, at what they've seen. Uh, you know, I clearly hope that uh, that replexes can be a part of uh, this. Uh, uh, let's say this, this this renewal, this reinvention of of the market, and uh, you know, indeed, uh, I can see where replexes could help with uh, with existing trap collateral, uh, transforming trap collateral into distressed securities, uh, for example, which can then be priced, and uh, and we can create a market to assume those securities. We can sell them, and uh, and that's the way the capital markets works. So uh, investors understand losses that's not a problem they understand write downs it happens in all their markets you know shares go down as well as up you know all, all, all investments do um so then they understand losses what they don't understand is uh is is the concept of well we don't believe there's a loss but we can't give you your money back that's something that, that they don't understand and uh, and that's something we need to try and avoid mm. and i think to do that we you know if I look at the the, the beginning of the ILS market, it, it grew very much transaction by transaction, organically. People tried this, people tried that. Some of it sort of worked, some of it sort of didn't. And uh, and you know, now I think you know it, it, it wasn't the ILS market didn't start. It wasn't. It was never designed. It, it just kind of happened um, organically. And I think now we need to kind of add some design to the market um, to regain you know investor confidence and bring investors back. Uh, then I think, um, as we mentioned before, uh, as as models progress, as they become more accurate, as understanding of risk improves, and uh, and then you know, with an increasing need from insurance and reinsurance markets to take the peaks that unbalance their portfolios, which again we've already discussed, 
Um, you know, for me, I think the the future of the Ionis market is uh, is an exceedingly bright one. It's it's very positive. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today, and it was great to uh, get some insight into the world of ILS. So, yeah, thank you very much, Cedric. Um, and thanks also to you for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, we have a backlog of interviews on the We Are Guernsey podcast channel. You can check them out by searching for We Are Guernsey on your preferred podcast platform. We also have links to Cedric and Replexus in our show notes, uh, as well as details of the Guernsey Champagne reception. To find out more about Guernsey and its specialist financial services sector, head over to our website, weareguernsey.com. We look forward to welcoming you back to the podcast, but until then, it's goodbye from Guernsey.